listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of Dinner Party, Chef Amy Sins. And today I have Chef Eric Cook with me. He was so nice to take his day off to come and chat and talk food and be on the show today. So thanks, Chef Eric. How are you? Amazing, tired, and uh, happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, tired is probably your life these days, huh? It really is, yeah. It's a Seven days a week, you know, it, it never ends. There's uh, just so much to get done, and it seems like if there were eight days in the week, I would still complain there's not enough time in the week to get things done. <laughs> well, you know, you have a lot going on, and I can remember early COVID, you were like, I'm, I'm so bored, I got nothing going on. And what did you do? Are you just like a glutton for punishment who decided, I'm gonna just create havoc in my life and open a new restaurant yeah I I don't I don't know you know I think you know with the new restaurant I'm it kind of came to us you know we didn't really go to it and it's just it's one of those stories that are just it it was really it's the accidental restaurant it really is um you know being uh as busy we are now with Grigri the restaurant's doing great you know we love it uh you know I love Magazine Street I love that place so much um, you know, doing the whole, you know, so many transitions we went through with, you know, the COVID and, you know, and then, you know, the, the different variants and Delta and the things and restrictions and limitations and all the things we just, we just kept our head down and decided that we were going to just do what we do and then just stay us. We're not going to try and rebrand ourselves. We're not going to try and change what we are, you know, that the takeout phase of the whole, you know, lockdown was just something we couldn't get behind because you know, before it all happened, I could tell you our to-go business was uh, 0.76% of our business. So it wasn't like we had food that goes into a box, you know? And I think, you know, 90% of the, of the work at that restaurant's done by the building and the space and the location, you know, it's such an atmosphere. It's such a, a cool venue, you know, to go into it, the open kitchen and, and just, it's hard to put that into a box, you know? so. Um, we stayed away from it, you know, and it just and kept on trucking and waiting for opportunities. You know, 25%, we'll take 25%, 50%, we'll take 50%, you know, and, and we kind of ended up, you know, dropping down to five days a week because seven days a week was just, it seems like it's, it's a lot, you know, for restaurants, you know, and I mean, it's always been that way. It's always been the norm, but um, when I did reopen in November, uh, we gave it a shot seven days a week and I made it till Super Bowl weekend. And I was just so exhausted. And I just told everybody, we're closing for the Super Bowl. I'm closing on Monday. I'm closing on Tuesday. And from now on, we're Wednesday through Sunday. And that's it. You know? And that was the big morale boost. Like, yay, five days a week. You know? <laughs> well, and sometimes you have to do that. You have to put up the boundaries. Even though you're, you're trucking away and you're pushing so hard and you really want to be successful, there's a point where it, it, burnout is real. It's super real, you know, and it's it's physical and it's emotional and it's everything. And, you know, what the lockdown gave me the opportunity to do was to go back to 10,000 feet and look back down and everything and go, okay, you know, why are we doing this? You know, why do we do that? You know, and, and try and just 
you know, rethink the whole restaurant situation, you know, because it's a, it's a, it's a formula, you know, and it, but it's been a formula that hasn't been updated in a long time. And that's just get in there, throw your life at it. You know, you don't see your friends, you don't see your family, you don't have holidays, you don't get to enjoy the great city we live in. Like this, the world is within these four walls. And so you really have to decide, you know, what do you want out of the restaurant versus what do you need out of the restaurant, you know? And when you really get down to it, you know, for me, it's my job, mm -hmm. you know? So I just, I want a job, you know? So I never did get into the ownership side of restaurants to go like, we're going to sail off into the sunset and retire, you know? It's, you know <laughs> I don't I don't think there's many people <laughs> yeah, retiring on yeah, restaurants. You know, I, I don't think there's a day ever that's going to come where you wake up and uh, the newspaper reads like, it's over, we won the restaurant business, you know, and there's a ticker tape parade down Canal Street. We're like, yeah, it's over. It just doesn't end, you know? So so you've got to figure out, you know, what, what do you need, you know? And once you figure that out, you go, okay, you know, we just... The goal is to stay open. You know, the goal is to take care of your your guests, take care of your your employees, your family, who you, you know, basically your roommates with, you know, and 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 take care of your community and be a good neighbor, you know. And when you do that, it's about longevity. It becomes a situation like we just want to be here forever. So um, when you narrow it down to that, and you take away the financial, you know, game that is where everything is just turning the screws and turning the screws and, and squeezing. Um, every nickel and dime you can out of the building because it is a, obviously a, a very challenging business to be in you know i don't think people realize you know like national average i think is somewhere between like five and seven percent you know on a dollar so like you make like a nickel for every dollar maybe you know or a dime if you're really good you know um so there's no parade down canal street for no, you at that no rate. It's, it's not on the schedule um <laughs> it's not on the schedule so um you know so we just decided that uh let's just rethink the whole thing, you know, let's just take care of our people, let's, you know, because there's money falling out of every hole, that's fine, you know, like, we just want to live, we don't want to, you know, make a bunch of money, because you can't, you know, it's a novelty investment at best, you know, so, um, we decided that we wanted to be happy, and let's, let's make everybody happy, you know, and it, it's something to be said when you go into a week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, you, and Sunday, and you're just busy, and people are excited you're there, you know, and then, but Sunday night, you're like, it's Friday, yes. you know, for the whole staff. Everybody's like, yes, Friday, you know, and you have two normal days, Monday, Tuesday, to do normal human stuff. You know, like I can go to get a haircut. I can, you know, go to the bank, you know, these things are open, you know, and so it really gives everybody really great structure and you become like, a, you know, a, an oddly, you know, but set work week, you know, like where the world lives for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we live from Monday, Tuesday. So Sunday's our Friday, you know, and it's like, it changes the world. Everyone's like, boop, later, bye, you know, and you know you're off. You know? And then you get a little bit spoiled because you go to the grocery when it's not crowded yeah. and you do all these things. And then if you're off on that one token Saturday and you go, what is going on yeah, with the world? All these people driving around for it's Saturday. Why aren't they home? You know, like <laughs> sitting in the backyard or something. So, and that's it too. You know, it, it's a great day to be off because like us, you know, we work when everyone's off. But then now we're off when everyone works, so it's like, ah, we kind of flip the script on everybody now, which is cool. Well, so you have you decide that you're going to close two days a week, so you can slow down, you can focus on the business, and then you just had this aha moment that now you need to go back to to chaos and yeah. extreme and yeah. open an awesome new restaurant. <laughs> I, I tell you, you know, people aren't going to believe me at the timeline we did this thing in, but it was really a friend of a friend. Um, 
who reached out to us and just said, hey, I just happened to acquire this property in the French Quarter and it's an old restaurant and I don't know anything about restaurants. Can you guys just come take a look at it? And it was on a Monday. And my wife and I are like, yeah, sure. We got nothing to do. Let's go check this place out. You know, some roll down to the quarter, you know. I got my business partner with me, you know. I brought another friend, chef of mine, you know. Like, we go in the place, you know, we're like, okay, you know. And we're walking around, and I'm, like, kicking equipment like a used car. You're like, that's a good good looking range right there. And, like, oh, look at this knob is broken, you know, and this is beat up. And, you know, we're just kind of, you know, schlepping around the building, like, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, trying to figure out what was happening in there, you know. And, and, um, you know, and, and if it had any potential. And so I'm in the back, you know, we had a flashlight, you know, my buddy's like underneath the equipment. He's like, this, these look pretty good for being, I'm like, oh, okay, thanks man, you know. And uh, so I come back out to the front and my wife was sitting, you know, at this beautiful old marble bar and uh, I could just see the wheels were turning, the gears were just grinding. And I just looked at her and I said, did you name it already? She's like, oh yeah, I did. Did you? I'm like, yes, I named it already. So we both looked at her, I'm like, what's your name? What's your name? You go first, you go first. You know, so. <laughs> And I said something weird, you know, I was like, Cafe Loa or something like that, you know, and she's like, no, 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 it's going to be called St. John. And I looked at the guy who owns the building, and I was just like, okay, we'll take it. And that was it. And that was really it. And it was just like, let's do this, you know, and, you know, so we'll get back to you. Give us like a day to get our head wrapped around it, you know, and um, that was July 28th of this year. And I had a management team, a full management team, complete chef team. You know, a CDC, three sous chefs, a GM, bar manager, HR, special events director on August 2nd for our first meeting. And I brought a little uh, dry erase calendar, a two-month dry erase calendar said, okay, this is us right here. And eight weeks from now, September 15th, we're opening here. And everybody's like, what? I'm like, we do eight weeks, we're going to do this. And the place now is dark and there's light bulbs missing and it's dusty and it's in pretty bad shape, you know, and everyone's like, you are nuts. I'm like, look, we can do this, you know? And so it's just a one really long meeting about um, the idea, you know, and the concept, you know, and it was just like, and I had a stack of books with me. I was like, boom, I'm like, and this is where it's gonna come from right here, you know? And it was um, something I, you know, I try to dabble with that grievy, but it has such its own identity. And it's one of those places where like, you know, how often do you change the menu? I'm like, never. You know, I'm like, I don't. I mean, I just, it's one of those places where people come back for that food because it's there and it, it is what it is and it's, it just needs to be there, you know? So I don't try and, you know, do the seasonal menu change, you know, because I think in New Orleans, you know, the seasons are like summer and flu season. <laughs> so I mean, what I mean, it's November with flip flops. I'm like, it's not winter, you know what I mean? So we, where are we, why is it winter now, you know? So, you know, so we, just, we kept, we, we wanted to keep a separation of church and state, really. Well, and you know, there I'm. I'm just sitting here, and for my listeners out there, I'm talking to Chef Eric Cook, and he's talking about the new restaurant St. John, and I'm kind of giggling and holding back because I can picture his wife having that moment where the wheels are turning, and there's something about when you walk into a building and you know it's yours. Yep it's yours and there's no hope it's like where do i write the check yeah it was immediate <laughs> it was instantaneous and immediate and the thing when you walk into the building now from when we walked into it on that first day i really believe she saw the whole thing and i really believe she saw where everything was going to be what each little thing was going to do but as we had our early conversations in there you know i say i said church and state um 
you know, that was the first thing I had to figure out, like, okay, you know, we're in the French Quarter, you know, and you walk through that restaurant, you come in the front, this beautiful, amazing, gorgeous, mirrored marble bar, and you come through these old brick um, archways, you know, when you come into the kitchen, it's just a different feel, you know, so I remember I was talking to my chef, uh, Darren Pareto, and I'm just walking with him, and I just said, I said, we have to remember that we don't want to, because Lower Decatur is, if you haven't been to Lower Decatur Street, it's it's the rock and roll end of the quarter, you know, and, and I probably have more time on a skateboard in those streets as a kid than I do in my car, you know what I mean, because I just, I used to run those streets, you know, all those great places down there, and I'm like, we can't turn our nose to Decatur's, we have to we just have to become part of it, you know? We gotta be a little rock and roll in here, you know? It's I, like this, finding this balance yeah. of, of what, the sophistication that people think of when they think of old French Quarter, but then there's this like yeah. charming grit. Yeah, you know, like it has to, you know, you gotta be able to walk into that place and sit down at this insanely beautiful bar and say, can I have a, uh, a PBR and a telly please? Sure. and a can a PBR comes out with a shot of telly and it's five bucks. You know, I'm like, that's it. That's that's the thing. You know, like, you got to have the citywide. You got to, you know, you got to be a good neighbor. You know, we have to become a part of the neighborhood. We don't want to, you know, be a, not something, the bougie place in the middle of everybody. You know, like, all oh, those guys, you know. So, and the funny <laughs> thing is I know every cat on the street, man. I'm like, what's up, Cook? What's up, man? You know, we're metal shows in high school with these guys, you know. Um, but there became a line where I said, you know, I remember I, I told everyone, I said, you have to be as authentically marketable as possible, you know, because at the end of the day, it's a business, you know, so you have to be able to pull in those folks who are going by just in the foot traffic and see the menu board and go, oh, cool, they've got good New Orleans food, you know, but you can't put yourself in a rut where it's like, you know, oh, really, Cajun restaurant, you know, so you got to find the balance, you know, so I said, we're going to separate a church and state, and we actually have signs now, when you walk into the bar, you can look up when you go into the back, it says church, and when you come in through the other way, it says state, in the front is this giant alligator whose name is Caesar on the wall, and then we have this beautiful uh, rendition of uh, the Louisiana state flag, the Pelican, you know, Union Justice Confidence, and his name is Lestat, and, uh, and then you come through the back, and that's like the state area, you know? And then you go through the back, and behind each booth on the wall, we have stained glass windows made out of refurbished glass from our friends from the Dirty Boys, who did an amazing job. And there's a massive piece of artwork in the front of the lower quarter, built out of, you know, repurposed wood and sticks and wire and stuff he found in the restaurant, paring knives and cords, it's all thrown together. It's the block, it's the neighborhood, you know? And it's, it's something really special, it really is cool. Now, you know, I, I can hear it in your voice how passionate you are and how exciting this whole project is and pretty ambitious to put it together in such a short period of time. So I imagine there were nights that you were sitting on the sofa with your wife and covered in cookbooks and sorting through things to decide. How did you figure out what made the cut for the menu? Um, you know, for, for me, writing the menu was really organic for Grigri. It was something like I, dishes I've been playing around with with other restaurants, you know, just a featured appetizer, a featured entree, or a menu change here, that never really had its own identity. It was always something, you know, off of what these restaurants were doing. Um, so I just kind of 
curled up all my owl stars into a big ball and said, okay, you know, we're going to do all this stuff we love to do back then. Um, and this one was a little different because, you know, Grigri being the refined southern food, I wanted this restaurant to be very, very and, and obviously Creole, you know, just like obviously straightforward. So, you know, you get into the old Saunier books, you know, and you get in River Road cookbooks, you know, and you get in these... Uh, PTO and CYO neighborhood church cookbooks. Every, you know? I bet you have a stack of spiral bound cookbooks. <laughs> everywhere, they're everywhere. I mean, you know, Labouche, Labouche Creole, and all these things. You know, but I, you know, I'm fortunate to have all my grandmother's books. You know, so um, it was kind of like, um, you know, I wanted the menu to be a holiday every day. I wanted it to be. You know, like what we ate for the holidays, you know, like oyster dressing and, you know, and devil crab and, you know, the things you got on those days, you know, and, and, but you know, we had to throw it in there. So, but we went deep reading these old books, you know, with the classic, like the shrimp etouffee recipe, for example. Um, it was October 5th, maybe, or 3rd, or whatever. I don't know what day it is, but, um, I remember I was, it was, I have a picture of it on my phone, but um, I'm reading my uh, Saunier's old book, um, you know, it's a Creole cookbook, and inside my grandmother has all these notes written on it in little circles, and she has like the taped in newspaper articles, and you know, all her little <laughs> things, you know, her, great for entertaining, you know, and um, I open this book up, and, it, and this newspaper piece falls out, and I look at it, and it just says like, um, uh, mixing cooking techniques from different countries with others is fun for the cook and and fantastic for the lucky diner or something, you know? And I'm like, you know, it was one of those weird things, you know, and as I move the paper out of the way, is this is the shrimp etouffee recipe. And I look at the newspaper and it's the exact date on the newspaper, October 4th, 19, I think it was 1985 or something, you know, with this, this paper she had cut out and put into the book and it fell out on that exact day, October 5th. It has to go in the And I'm like, okay, this is the recipe. And that's how we, <laughs> and I was like, let's read this recipe and let's get a rondo out here and let's make a etouffee, like this thing says, you know? And, and we did it and I'm like, boom, that's it, bro. I mean, and that's what it was. That's how organic it became, you know, reading these books, you know, the Creole uh, shrimp and, uh, what is it, the shrimp and chicken Creole corn mock shoe dish, you know? And, you know, the etouffee, the, the, pork belly cassoulet with, you know, crackling gremolata and, um, you know, the oyster St. John was a, a dream, you know, that I just wanted to do forever, you know, the oyster patty and the oyster cream with fried oysters, you know, a three-way dish. It was, just, it was meant to be there. It was, it was, I knew already, oyster St. John is this, you know, and I'm actually leaving here and I have to go to care restaurant supply and buy more bowls. I don't have enough to sell that appetite. We run out every night, you know? Oh, wow. Um, so it, you know, it, it really came together. Just stuff that you know you, that that you remember, and people tell me like, "Man, you brought me back," and I'm like, "That's it." You know, so, and there, you know, there is something about that, and uh, I look forward to the holidays because it's the only time of year that my mother-in-law cooks like she used to cook, yeah. you know, because now she cooks things that are healthy because she's responsible for my father-in-law's heart attacks, right? Exactly, in right. certain ways. But she's the best cook I know, so I look forward to it. And that cornbread dressing, it, I hate that I can only have it at Christmas and yeah. Thanksgiving. And that's the idea behind the menu, like, why, why, why am I waiting, you know, for like, my favorite thing, you know, oyster dressing, you know, but, you know, that, that stuffed crab, you know, with 
real crab shell. I remember we had those um, little aluminum ones that my mom had that would go through the dishwasher, whatever. And I remember, you know, stuffing those crabs and all. But the smells and, you know, the aromas coming out of the kitchen are so full of memories, you know, and that's what it's about for me. And, it's special, and for people from out of town, you're you're giving them a little piece of that because they never got to experience it, so they don't really right. know what it's like to go to Mama's house on Sunday. Right, and you know, and for me, you know, and I I, I try and be, you know, I'm, I'm very, um, I don't know, you know, I'm I'm I never was really great at the molecular gastronomy thing, you know. I'm just I was really not smart in high school, and I was too dumb to go to college, you know. So I joined the Marine Corps, you know. So, but. You know, what I do have the talent for is, you know, you can, I, I, I remember cooking next to my mom, cooking next to my dad, cooking next to my grandma, you know, and I remember that. And that's really what it's all about for me, you know, but as the restaurant scene is changing in New Orleans, you know, it's growing, you know, which is great. You know, it's, I remember, you know, when I was a young cook, it was like, we always did the big houses, you know, the, the Antoines and the Galtois and the Commanders, you know. And that was it, you know, it was like, those are the ones who rule the world, you know, and, and, uh, but now you see this, uh, resurgence of this small restaurant, the corner restaurant, the 20 seaters where, where chefs can come out and, and just put their guts into it and, and be successful. You know, it's like the bistro is alive again in New Orleans, but it's become so global almost, you know, mm -hmm. and you know, and the thing about New Orleans is that we have our own cuisine, you know, we're the only city really that we can say, hey, you know, that, that one's us, you know, like Chicago and New York and, you know, L.A. and D.C., you know, all great food towns are always best food towns are, but they're, you know, what, what, what do you, you know, when you go there, like, uh, okay, I want a slice in New York or I'm a, I need a deep dish in Chicago, you know, but we have Creole cuisine, you know, and to me, it just seems like we've stepped away from it almost because everyone's chasing that global market, that, that, magazine instagram perfect photo with you know and and really for me you know i wrote my first menu for the first restaurant every one of my chef friends was like oh man that's so cool you put a restaurant you should do that for god torchon with that blah 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 no you know this i'm like whoa 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 you know never mind i'm like <laughs> i'm like bro like you're a chef i'm a chef like how often do you go out in a restaurant i know never for me because i'm working every day you know so like why would i write a menu for you so you think I'm cool, you know, my chef friends think I'm cool because I'm writing the menu for people who aren't in the business, you know, it needs to be approachable, it needs to be realistic, it needs to be unpretentious, you know, I mean, I don't want to out-component my friend, you know, I'm like, I'm just like, let's just simple, man, you know, and, and that's what it was about for me, you know, so I said, let's bring New Orleans food back to New Orleans, you know, and let's just put the blinders on and go, great, you know, do I love all that stuff? Absolutely, you know. But if I go to Spain, you know, I'm not going to eat at KFC, you know. No. I'm going to eat the little door, you know, 12-seater outside. I want to eat the local fare, you know. So where's the local fare, you know, that's not on the billboard, you know, flashing on the bourbon street like, this is the greatest Cajun food, you know, because it's not, you know. Cajun food, they ask me, what's the best Cajun restaurant in New Orleans? I'm like, oh, just jump on I-10, uh, make <laughs> a left. Stop at the gas station. Yeah. And then, and, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, in about an hour and 47 minutes, get off at Bro Bridge and eat anywhere. You know, like hit a gas station and have the best meal of your life in a, in a styrofoam box, period. You know, that go there, you know, because that's Lafayette. You know, that's the capital, you know, like 
go over there, you know, so, because that's where, that's it, it's the best food in the world. Every little plate lunch, you know, and every gas station, every corner in the in, in that area of Lafayette and the surrounding parishes, you know, it's amazing, you know, but New Orleans, we got our own little thing, you know, so, but the Creole cuisine is ours, you know, and it's a melting pot of everything. It's alive, it's growing, you know. And I feel like, um, you know, for me, I, what I try to do is really keep alive the history and the traditions of Cajun and Creole cuisine. And I felt like during COVID, we were losing some great chefs and great restaurants. Yeah. And I say to myself, who's the next group of chefs who are going to stand up yeah. for, for our history and our culture and yeah. our cuisine and, and be those people that carry the torch. And yeah. I feel like it's our responsibility Absolutely. to do so. You have to be, you have to train the next legends. You know I mean? You have to train the, the group below us. You know, like, you know, like I said, that we, you know, my, my crew I have now, you know, I've got a guy from 11 Madison, New York, you know, who quit because he hated their food. The number one restaurant in America. He's like, yeah, I'm not for me. And I'm like, and he, he called me and I'm like, bro, you're overqualified. I'm like, just that alone, you're hired, man. I don't even need to meet you, you know? And he's like my favorite guy in the world, you know? But, you know, it's for me, the path you take, you know, I came up through the Brennans, you know, knowing anything, you know, the zero. I was like, oh, whatever, you know? I'm like, oh, peel potatoes and shrimp forever. This is great, you know? But you come through that, you know, that, that growth, but you get people who are above me who just pull you and say, look at this, look at this, look at this. And they mold you and shape you and say, this is how you do it, you know? And, but now that, 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 um, that teacher student thing is it's almost mixed up and lost because you know it's such a sensitive issue now in the kitchen where you know that that's it's got to be hard man you know it, it's hard work you know by by design you know and and you have to find like what i always say is like you know when i hire people i'm like what we do by nature is hard work period i'm like all i can promise you is that i'll not make it a hard place to work hard i promise you you know but we're going to work hard because that's what it is you know but you have to put that that time and it's a blue collar job you know what i mean it's cuts and burns and bruises and and late nights and sweat and blood and that's what it is it's not white coats and tweezers on tv you know it's a completely different animal you know and that's why i love the exposed kitchen it's like look look what we do look how much we move look how hard we work you know look how disciplined we are you know that's what it's about I love it. I love it. For my listeners out there, I'm talking to Chef Eric Cook, and he just opened up St. John, and he has Grigri, and we're about out of time, but I want you to tell everybody, Chef Eric, how they can find you and how they can eat in your great restaurants. Yeah. Um, St. John's open. We opened uh, last Wednesday on uh, Lower Decatur, 1117 Decatur Street, home of the old famous Maximos. Um, and you can find us at uh, stjohnnola.com. Uh, reservations are available on Resi. Um, the website's up and running. The menu's available as well, too, with some great photographs. Obviously, we're young, but um, you can go to Instagram as well, uh, St. John Nola, our Facebook page as well. There's a lot of content in there, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Um, but you can get kind of a glimpse into the restaurant. But I tell you, it's, it's when you walk in those doors... On, on that street and come in, you really enter a different world. It's amazing, it's spectacular. I love it, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Chef Eric. For everybody who's been listening, this is WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of Dinner Party, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.